to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Natural MD Radio. This is Dr. Aviva, and today I want to talk about something that is a traditional healing practice that has a tremendous amount of merit, but like so many things, when done to extremes, can cause problems. And I wanted this specifically in relationship to women and thyroid health. So today we're going to talk about fasting, detoxing, cleansing, what this all means, and how to know whether it's a good choice for you and how to go about it safely and how it can cause some problems. So in my medical practice, I've seen a trend where um, I've had many, many women in the past many years who usually the scenario is something like she is maybe three to six months postpartum or maybe even a little bit more. And a mama who, you know, you eat heavier when you're pregnant, you eat more when you're breastfeeding, but you don't drop the baby weight quite quickly as you'd like to because you're tired and you're not getting the same amount of exercise. And, you know, even my most plant-based, healthy eating, carb-free friends who are pregnant find themselves often wanting things like lots of carbs when they're pregnant. Our bodies need more energy. So we get these ideas that maybe at some point postpartum, we want to do a little bit of a a detox and we read about a cleanse or a detox or a fast and jump right in. And for most women, a short little time of eating lighter, having more fruits and vegetables, maybe skipping certain foods that feel a little bit heavier, or uh, maybe you want to take them out to balance your blood sugar can be fine. And in fact, has been a traditional practice in so many cultures. I grew up in a Jewish family where fasting happened once a year, for example, on Yom Kippur. My best friend's husband is um, Ethiopian Orthodox, and he has very specific fasts that he does actually each week. He has a couple of days of the week where he doesn't eat any dairy products and any meat. So it's two days a week, completely vegan. That's just part of his culture practice. And then there are specific longer term fasts built in throughout the year. I have several friends who are Muslim and practice Ramadan where they fast one month of the year during the day and don't eat until sunset. And then of course, many different cultures have religious practices that include fasting. And interestingly, the human and the four-legged animal world, because we're all animals when we get down to it, right? Or we all are creatures on this planet. We all have the uh, built-in or innate sense to stop eating or eating eat less when we're sick. And it's our body's way of diverting energy away from food digestion and metabolism into nourishing and supporting and boosting up the immune system. And eating in it itself um, does release some inflammatory compounds, et cetera. So it can be therapeutic to periodically reduce how much we eat. We also know that studies 
looking at practices like intermittent fasting, where you have a scheduled period of time and the amount can vary. It can be a scheduled period of time each day that you do eat, usually an eight hour window. And then the other uh, hours of the day, the other um, 16 hours of the day where you don't eat an intermittent fast might be something like you eat your first meal of the day around 10 or 11 in the morning. You eat your last food of the day by 7 p.m. And then between 7 p.m. and 10 the next morning, you don't eat. And that's giving your body that metabolic rest period and that intrinsic, more parasympathetic healing period. And some people do intermittent fasting by having three days on from food and one day off. There are lots of different ways to do it. But the studies on intermittent fasting have shown it dramatically reduces inflammation and can halt and reverse significant numbers of chronic disease and reduce all forms of symptoms, joint pain, headaches, digestive symptoms. So this is well borne out in the research. I absolutely do when appropriate in my clinical practice. However, what I've seen is that, again, the too much of a good thing becoming a problem. And that's what I want to really make sure that you're able to protect yourself from. So this past year, I saw a patient who was in her uh, almost around 40, and she had just had her third baby about a year prior. And around six months postpartum, she had decided that she wanted to do a cleanse. So now what's the difference between a cleanse, a fast, and a detox? Well, a, a fast is usually something that we think about where you have a discrete period of time where you are eating and a discrete period of time where you aren't eating. So in Ramadan, that discrete period of time is during the daylight hours and you eat a meal after sunset and intermittent fasting as it's just as I described. There's a discrete on and a discrete off and it's usually for a concentrated amount of time and it's usually for a very specific reason, either a religious um, reason, so perhaps you're giving something up as part of a spiritual commitment to making a sacrifice or more likely even these religious reasons were created for health reasons that, um, for example, my friend from Ethiopia told me that there's three months of the year where they pretty much don't eat meat and the year um, where it's thought that the animals may be higher in parasites. So, you know, interestingly, some of these religious practices may have been um, a religious way of enforcing good common public health sense that then became ritualized. And then there may be health reasons for doing a fast like the intermittent fasting or a period of time where you uh, may be uh, resting your digestive system for some reason. And um, so those are that's a fast. And it's, again, uh, a start time, stop time and very specific things. And it may be that there are certain things that you're not eating, whereas you eat other things. Cleanse and detox are terms that actually borrow from what at one point in history was called heroic. And heroic medicine found its way into Western medicine. And it also seeped into early patriarchal herbal medicine. It wasn't really in the matriarchal traditions, but in the patriarchal traditions of what was called purgum, pucum, and bleedum medicine. So, or toxic substances were given to make people vomit, to make people evacuate copiously through their bowels, or chis were applied or actual cuts made to bleed people. And there were some religious connotations in this, and it was definitely based on the idea of impurity in the body and the need to eliminate that. As time has progressed, some of these 
early, what I consider really quite archaic, patriarchal, somewhat anti-innate healing capacity, because none of that really usually helps the innate healing capacity. In fact, there are people who were bled to death and purged and puked to death. And a lot of the agents that were used to do that uh, were incredibly hormonal, being a mercury um, uh, compound that was given in the United States by early doctors for this very purpose that turned out to be horribly, dangerously toxic. So the legacy of this is actually not that positive. And part of what's happened in modern times is that we unwittingly and unknowingly have been self-perpetuating some of these anti-feminine, anti-body, anti-innate healing capacity practices aim of modern wellness movement. And some of these are turning out to not be quite as beneficial as we thought. So for example, juice fasting. I mean, just having light vegetable juices or fruit juices for a couple of days can be great, but 10 days of just having fruit juice, for example, can actually be an incredible amount of blood sugar burden on your body. I had a patient a couple of years ago who came to me for uh, gynecologic problems and she had been doing what she thought was healthy, which was drinking a big fresh juice that she was buying at an organic juice place in New York City in the morning and then having another one midday. And she was uh, very into fitness. She spent a couple of hours a day working out and really very mindful about her lifestyle. But when I showed her that the juices that she was drinking, grams of sugar, she was pretty taken back. So she was getting, so five grams of sugar is a teaspoon. So she was getting seven teaspoons of sugar in each juice and she was doing that twice a day. So 14 teaspoons of sugar. Imagine that's that's almost five tablespoons of sugar a day just in these organic, healthy, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, juices. So not everything that's being sold to us as healthy is necessarily even got you to it. It looks like it does because it's fruit and it's vegetables or it's eating lighter or it's cleansing or it's detoxing. How can that be wrong? The other thing is that Yes, we are accumulating environmental toxins. And yes, we do want to make sure that our body's natural detoxification and elimination functions are well-primed and well-nourished. Interestingly, those are nourished by getting the foods into our diet that we need that help us to make sure those functions are optimized. And I'll talk about that in an upcoming episode of Natural MD, where I talk about what is detoxification and do we need it and how in a healthy way that ensures this innate healing capacity rather than depriving our bodies. So a lot of what's happened in the name of this idea of detoxification and cleansing is a sort of way that we have internalized more restriction, more of the idea that our bodies aren't clean enough, more of the idea that our bodies are impure. Some of these old archaic ideas that actually came from um, this sort of heroic medicine philosophy. And also there's a term that you may or may not heard of called orthorexia. And orthorexia is a very neat little trick that our brains can play on us where we actually develop an eating disorder on an over-focus on healthy 
clean eating. So yes, I have been eating healthy since I was 15 years old and I'm 52. So that's a mighty long time now. My diet has been organic pretty much um, strictly. I mean, I don't eat ever because I'm I'm never going to pay $5.25 for a peach. So if there's something that is outrageous and I can't get organic, I might not eat it unless it's in season and local and I can get it organic. But my meats, my dairy, most of my produce organic since I was a teenager because I really do value the importance of that for the health of our planet and the health for my body and the health for my my uh, children. And we'll talk about that also in another podcast episode on is organic really that important and how can we do it on a budget? Because so many of us do need to be mindful of our money, of course. And um, so eating healthy is really important. But what's starting to happen if you pay attention to a lot of the health websites that are out there and the foodie websites that are out there is healthy and sexy and skinny are getting a little bit confused. And healthy and sexy and skinny, first of all, aren't always the same thing. And I can tell you that. I have many, many beautiful, sexy women by sort of conventional standards come into my practice who are struggling with health problems. And I have many people I know in my life who maybe by conventional standards wouldn't be on a magazine cover, but are absolutely radiantly healthy. So it's not that one necessarily equals the other. Certainly when we eat really well and we are getting good rest in our lives and we're able to minimize our stress and we have a lot of happiness, we do tend to radiate a beauty and a health from within, whatever size and shape our body is. But what's happening in the wellness movement, especially aimed at women, is that this idea of cleansing and detoxing is being sold to us in a way that we're all going to look like a certain kind of body image and perfection and our kitchens and our food and everything's going to be perfectly just cleanse, detox, and and um, eat quote unquote clean enough. But this can backfire. So back to my patient who is one of many women I've seen come into my practice in this situation. She was around 40, had her thirst third baby. Baby was a year old or so. And she, forget her baby was six months or somewhere between six months and a year when she decided to do this first detox. And she read about this detox online and she joined an online program. And for two weeks, she basically had no protein, no grains, um, not much cooked food and lots and lots of fruit juice, vegetable juice, and bone broth. And at the end of this 10-day or two-week period, she actually felt great. She dropped a lot of weight in a very short period of time and felt pretty good, except for that a few months later, she started to feel really, really tired, noticed her hair was falling out a little bit, her breast milk production seemed like maybe it was going down a little bit, and she thought, and, and some of the weight started to pack back on a little bit. She was hungry a lot. She thought, you know what? I felt so great after I finished that cleanse the first time. I'm going to do it again. So this time she had the program. She self-guided her through it. And within days after, it was like somebody had pulled the plug on the bathtub of her body's energy. She said it just like the energy just drained out of her. Her hair started falling out in globs and clumps. She was so exhausted and moody and irritable and emotional and weepy and lost her appetite, but felt hungry all the time, but just couldn't eat because eating made her feel not well. She was bloated. So after a couple of weeks of that, 
she went to her primary doctor who ran some blood work and it turned out that she had low iron, some other low nutrients, and her thyroid was low. Now, this doctor told her that she had Hashimoto's and put her on a thyroid medication. She started the thyroid medication and a few days later, all of her symptoms got even worse. She became even more agitated. She couldn't sleep because she was amped up and she was exhausted all day long and the hair loss went crazy. So she stopped the medication and felt more like she had before she went on the medication, but still really, really terribly. And that was when she contacted me. And she wanted to know when she contacted me what thyroid medication she should take for her Hashimoto's. So the first thing I did was got copies of the labs and I looked at them. Now, first of all, she didn't have Hashimoto's. Her thyroid antibodies were completely normal. So she did have some borderline hypothyroidism. Her T is a little bit elevated and her free T3 and free T4 were oh. And her reverse T3 was a little bit high, but she didn't have Hashimoto's and she really had subclinical hypothyroidism. So it wasn't so off that she would really merit a diagnosis, but off enough that it said that something was going on. And so she wanted to know, you know, why did she have this horrible exacerbation on the thyroid medication and what could she take and at what dose? What I explained to her is what I would like to explain to you which is that our bodies have this incredible desire to trend toward wellness. And so much of what happens that we diagnose as a disease or an illness is actually the body going a little bit awry or the body actually even doing, but giving us annoying symptoms that let us know something is going on. So in my worldview as now an MD midwife herbalist for 32 years, I want to emphasize that while symptoms are something that often do need a medical workup, they aren't the problem. And even often the medical condition, the problem, it's the symptom of what the problem is. In this case, what happens is the thyroid is, I think of the thyroid to some extent as the body's circuit breaker and, and the body's thermostat. So think about it this way. If you have a thermostat in your house, which most of you probably do, and the temperature gets too high, the thermostat kicks off or on. Well, if you have the temperature, listen, let me back up. If you have the temperature set for 65 and it gets to 68 degrees in your house, because maybe it's really sunny, the thermostat's going to kick off if it's programmed to go off at 65 so that the house cools down. Conversely, if it is winter and you have your thermostat set for 68 and it drops below 68, the heat is going to kick on. Your thyroid is recognizing and regulating by chemical signals, whether you're essentially overheated or underheated. And its job is to kick up metabolism to burn fat, burn calorie, burn energy, much like the way thermostat kicks on, it burns fuel. Fat and calories are our body fuel. But here's the thing. When we are in an energy crisis, I mean like a gasoline or oil or coal crisis, we're told to set the thermostat lower so we don't burn more fuel than is available. When you restrict your calories too extremely or in too short a period of time 
or lose weight very quickly, as happened with my patient twice. The first time she lost about 15 pounds, the second time she lost about 15 pounds, all within a few month period, and both within a very short period of time. And to her, that was really exciting because she looked slimmer and she looked sexier and she was closer to where she wanted to be, which is a great goal if that's your goal. But doing things in a rush and doing things in extremes often tells the body that there's an energy crisis. The fuel is gone. She's dropped the weight that her body was storing, possibly storing because she's a breastfeeding mom and that's what our bodies do. We store a little weight to have extra reserves um, so that we don't get into an energy crisis when our baby is dependent on us for food. And she also stopped eating very much food. She was getting very little calories. So her brain, her ancient brain, recognized as an energy crisis. And her ancient brain sent messages to the thyroid, whoa, baby, we've got to downregulate the thermostat. She doesn't have enough energy to burn, so we have to turn down the thermostat. The way the body does that is by slowing down thyroid function. I call it the body's circuit breaker. It's like if you have just enough things plugged in in your house that your circuits can handle it, everything is fine and you can plug in plenty of things. You can run your stereo or your Alexa or whatever you run and you can run your computer and you can turn on the lights. But if you've reached max capacity on the circuit, and you plug in your blow dryer, what happens? The circuit breaker trips and all the electricity in your house goes off, or at least the electricity on that circuit, so you don't overload the channels and burn your house down. And your thyroid is trying to do the same thing. Your brain and your thyroid are trying to protect you from fundamentally burning the house down, not in a good dance party way, but in the kind of way where you're on overload and can get into burnout. Now, what happened when she had thyroid medication added in? Well, it's like she's trying to turn down the thermostat and all of a sudden somebody's thrown kerosene and a match onto the fire. And so now the body's reacting even more. And so her body was on overload and her circuit breakers are trying to shut down and somebody's now plugged in yet even one more thing and added more damage to the system. Now, some women when they come to me, or this may be the case for you, who have a thyroid problem may have it for a complex number of reasons and something like this happened and it pushed you over the edge. Or some women have a very temporary shutdown or slowdown of the thyroid. And if you've had multiple insults to your thyroid and you have the straw that breaks the camel's need help and you do need thyroid medication, but in many cases like this, just simply hitting the pause button on overload and stopping and replenishing the body and adding the nourishment back in is all that you need. And in fact, thyroid medication isn't always needed in these situations. Now, Obviously, in a podcast, I can't help break that down for you, whether it's you or you or you that may or may not need thyroid medication. I did that to a great extent in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which if you think you might have a thyroid 
or adrenal challenge going on, a stress response system challenge going on, or if you know you do, or this situation sounds familiar to you, the adrenal thyroid revolution is a really great investment because it's less than $20 and it will really answer the more personalized questions for you. Uh, Or at least it'll help you get on the right track and help you know what questions to ask your physician if you don't fully get those answers for yourself. But it will answer quite a lot of questions for you. In this case, um, this patient is still in process pending. So we're yet to see how quick this turnaround is going to be for her and whether or not her thyroid function, in fact, automatically restores itself with three to six months deep nourishment. And that's exactly what we're doing. I've not put her on thyroid medication. I've encouraged her to take a few supplements that support and heal and nourish the thyroid. Things like ashwagandha and um, selenium and myo-inositol, which you can learn more about at the link to my blog on six supplements for your thyroid, which is below this episode in the notes. So you can you can link right over there and look at those. Those are safe for breastfeeding moms, just like my patient is a breastfeeding mom. But I can tell you in the past, I've had women in this woman's scenario come in and three to six months of deep nourishment. As I mentioned, she had a few new nutritional deficiencies that have developed. Sometimes that can happen with breastfeeding and pregnancy, but also intense cleansing and fasting and restricting can do that to our bodies. We can become depleted in iron, ferritin, vitamin B12, vitamin D, and other magnesium and other nutrients. So giving the body what the body needs so that in that the innate healing capacity could be restored in this case is the first thing. And as I say, in other women, I have seen that when we catch it quickly enough, be enough. So the question comes, well, okay, but what about a fast and what about a cleanse? Is there ever a time for it? Well, you know, I'm not a big proponent of cleansing and detoxing. And to me, the word cleansing is kind of an automatic red flag Now, some people are using it unknowingly, and I have friends whom I adore who run businesses that I encourage and promote and support because I know that their hearts and their intentions and their practices are in the right place, and it's an unfortunate use of a term that's popular and thus sells. But I personally don't like the term cleanse, and the reason for that is our bodies know how to self-clean and self-purify. We are self-cleaning machines. We know how to eliminate. And when we have the nutrients that our body needs, our bodies automatically know how to do these detoxification processes. The problem is, is that most of us are consuming diets that are low in the nutrients that we actually need to support those natural functions. I'll talk about that more in the next podcast I do, which will be on detoxification and What does that mean? And how do you support your body's natural detoxification processes? So I tend to be wary when something says cleanse. And I'm very, very wary and tend to not recommend any programs that require extreme caloric restriction, particularly for more than one to three days. If it's more than three days of something like juicing or water, then in my opinion, that should be medically observed And by someone who's really experienced and knowledgeable in that, not somebody who's big on selling you this extreme detox, but someone who's moderate and can support you. And there has to be a darn good reason for you to go more than three days just on juices or water, because after a while, processes kick in 
that can actually liberate more toxins into your system and, and deplete you more. That brings me to the second, which is um, should women who are already depleted be doing detoxifications and cleanses? Well, any program that has detoxification in it, again, if it's causing you to restrict and uh, eliminate too much, I would be really wary of it. Same again with cleanses. If you're doing a program that supports your body's natural detoxification with a healthy, moderate, simple, nourishing eating plan and possibly some supplements that support detoxification. And again, we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. Sometimes that's fine, but it has to make sure, particularly if you're already exhausted, if you've just had a baby, if you're breastfeeding, if you're struggling with Hashimoto's or an adrenal issue where you're really depleted or fatigued all the time, often these restrictive programs, in fact, almost universally, may feel good at first, particularly if you've never taken food triggers out before. But in the long run, ladies, I can tell you over and over, I mean, these are a source of patience for my practice, these situations where women do this and then become way more depleted. Similarly, if you do it once and you feel great, that doesn't mean that doing it a second time or a third time is advisable. Once might have been your lucky charm, but twice much for your system. So again, you know, I'm not someone, I, I was a home birth midwife trained by apprenticeship for over 20 years. And I I'm not someone, I promise you, I had three of my babies at home with just me and my husband, three of my four. I'm not someone who runs to a doctor for everything or sends people to the doctor for everything. And I truly believe that you are your own best expert. But if you're really tired, if you're really depleted, work with a practitioner. It can be a nutritionist, an integrative or functional nutritionist, an integrative or functional health coach, a nurse practitioner, a integrative or functional MD, someone who is really knowledgeable in helping people and supporting people as they are recalibrating their elimination, their detoxification, maybe helping you to lighten up your diet if that's what you're feeling like you need and get a little more vitality back into your into your step, a little more sense of energy and lightness. You know, we often all feel a little heavier, a little more weighted down, for example, after Thanksgiving, after a holiday, a vacation where you've eaten off of your typical way of healthy eating, or after pregnancy and breastfeeding or during pregnancy and breastfeeding. And I get that desire to lighten up and revitalize. And that can be done in really lovely, beautiful, healthy ways that allow you to nourish and reset and replenish your body without restricting, without further depleting and finding programs and plans that do that moderately. We do that um, once a year with my gut reset. And it's really a very moderate way to, um, to recalibrate and lighten up a little bit without depleting and without restricting. So um, the story, the jury is still out with this particular patient of mine, but as I can, I can tell you confidently, I didn't run and jump and put her on pharmaceuticals for her thyroid. We are doing what I call deep nourishment, making sure that she's getting adequate rest, adequate self-time, time just to herself to take care of herself, 
plenty of time for good sleep and a diet that, and when I say a diet, I don't mean a restrictive diet. I mean, I don't mean a weight loss plan, but a way of eating, a way of nourishing that she's actually eating three times a day, healthy foods that have good quality fats and good quality proteins and plenty of vegetables and healthy fruits that support her detoxification processes and her natural elimination that provide her with a sense of energy and vitality and lightness because eating well should actually us to feel that way. We should feel light. We should feel healthy. We should feel energized. We should feel fabulous and beautiful and sexy and wonderful, juicy in our own bodies, sexy unto ourselves, not meaning how we appear to others, that good feeling of just wonderful, yummy in our own body when we eat well. So I hope that this has been um, informative and a cautionary tale on not letting ourselves be duped into fads and trends labels labeled as cleanses and detoxes that may over time and in some cases not even that long a time do more harm than good. Most of the incidents I've seen where harm has been done usually hasn't been done when somebody does a quick program for three days or even up to seven days. But where I do see the problems is when the programs get to be 10 days and 14 days of restriction and even more so when somebody repeats that or if they do it when they were all already really depleted and really wiped out. And I hope that this is a good reminder that our bodies innately want to be well and that we don't have to do restrictive things to get us there, that often it's true that healthful mind is exactly what nourishes us and gets us to feeling exactly how we want to feel, which is fabulous and energized and nourished. And it does for many women a little bit of time post baby to feel like you've got the time and energy, get back into eating well, to uh, getting into a self-care and, and exercise program. But you can do more for yourself by starting to fit in an hour, a few times a week of getting out, even if you get out for a really vigorous walk with baby or getting to a yoga class and working with someone who can help you with her, with your nutrition plan if you need that. Uh, and in the long run, have more sustainable energy. You know, I talked about our thyroid being a circuit breaker, kind of like in an energy crisis. And we want to think about ourselves and our energy as how can we create that as a renewable resource. And the way we do that is by minding how we use our energy and remembering to replenish our energy and pulling the plug on our energy source and letting it all drain out by overly restricting rarely is a sustainable way to create energy. So how can you create energy by supporting your nourishment, supporting your body's natural elimination and detoxification every day? Stay tuned for the next episode of Natural MD Radio and I'll fill you in on exactly that. Until then, I hope this has been helpful. I hope you create wonder and joy in your week until we meet again. And if this has been helpful for you or you think it'll be helpful for someone you know, love and care about, please make sure to share this episode and please drop a comment over on iTunes so that more women hear about this podcast and are able to elevate their health and their lives. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health 
naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.